I waited a long time until I was certain no one else was on the low ridge. Then I drew Wasp-Sting, my short sword, and I cut out a square of turf that I laid to one side. Then I dug into the ground, piling the soil onto my cloak. The blade kept striking chalk and flints, and I knew Wasp-Sting's blade would be chipped, but I went on digging until I had made a hole large enough for a child's burial. We put the two bags into the earth. They were my hoard, my silver and gold, my wealth, and I did not wish to be burdened with it. I possessed five hides, two swords, a mail coat, a shield, a helmet, a horse, and a thin nun. But I had no men to protect a hoard, and so I had to hide it instead. I kept only a few silver coins, and the rest I put into the groundskeeping, and we covered the hoard over and stamped the soil down and then replaced the turf. I waited for the moon to sail out from behind a cloud, and then I looked at the turf and reckoned no one would know it had been disturbed, and I memorized the place, marking it in my mind by the nearby boulders. One day, when I had the means to protect that treasure, I would return for it. Hild stared at the hoard's grave. Alfred says you must stay here, she said. Alfred can piss down his own throat, I said, and I hope the bastard chokes on it and dies. He would probably die soon enough, for he was a sick man. He was only twenty-nine, eight years older than I was, yet he looked closer to fifty, and I doubt any of us would have given him more than two or three years to live. He was forever griping about his belly pains, or running to the shithole, or shivering in a fever. Hild touched the turf where the hoard was buried. Does this mean we're coming back to Wessex? she asked. It means, I said, that no man travels among enemies with his hoard. It's safer here, and if we survive, we'll fetch it. And if I die, you fetch it. She said nothing and we carried the earth that was left on the cloak back to the river and threw it into the water. In the morning, we took our horses and rode eastwards. We were going to Lundin, for in Lundin all roads start. It was fate that drove me. It was the year 878. I was twenty-one years old and believed my swords could win me the whole world. I was Uhtred of Bebenberg, the man who had killed Uber Lothbrookson beside the sea, and who had spilled Svein of the White Horse from his saddle at Ethendon. I was the man who had given Alfred his kingdom back, and I hated him. So I would leave him. My path was the sword path, and it would take me home. I would go north. Lundin is the greatest city in all the island of Britain, and I've always loved its ruined houses and feverish alleys. But Hild and I stayed there only two days, lodging in a Saxon tavern in the new town west of the decaying Roman walls. The place was a part of Mercia then, and was garrisoned by the Danes. The alehouses were full of traders and foreigners and shipmasters, and it was a merchant called Thorkild who offered us passage to Northumbria. I told him my name was Ragnarsson, 
and he neither believed me nor questioned me, and he gave us passage in return for two silver coins and my muscle on one of his oars. I was a Saxon, but I had been raised by the Danes, so I spoke their tongue, and Thorkild assumed I was Danish. My fine helmet, mail coat, and two swords told him I was a warrior, and he must have suspected I was a fugitive from the defeated army. But what did he care? He needed oarsmen. Some traders used only slaves at their oars, but Thorkild reckoned they were trouble, and employed free men. We left on the ebb tide, our hull filled with bolts of linen, oil from Francia, beaver pelts, scores of fine saddles and leather sacks filled with precious cumin and mustard. Once away from the city and in the estuary of the Thames, we were in East Anglia, but we saw little of that kingdom, for on our first night a pernicious fog rolled...